This is a Rooster Teeth production. Sometimes the happiest place on earth can turn into the deadliest. Welcome to 30 Morbid Minutes. This is the podcast where we cover topics of a morbid, macabre, dark, and downright grisly nature. I'm Elise Willems. And I'm Jessica Vasami. Avid Disney park goers will be familiar with the Matterhorn, Disney's first roller coaster attraction, and the very first tubular steel coaster in the world. It's modeled after the mountain of the same name located in the Alps on the border between Switzerland and Italy, and the ride sends passengers hurtling at high speeds in bobsled-shaped cars through the snowy mountain pass as they elude the abominable snowman. Speaking from personal experience, I can tell you it's very fun, kind of old, and one of the iconic rides that comes to mind when thinking of Disneyland. I can't speak from experience as I've never been to Disneyland, but the Matterhorn made its debut on June 14, 1959. Five years later, in May 1964, it was nearing midnight and a 15-year-old Mark Maples, a local, was at the park for a fun summer night. He boarded the coaster alongside his two brothers, taking the middle seat. From there, no one knows exactly what happened. The details are a bit cloudy. There's speculation that either one of Mark's brothers unbuckled his seatbelt, or perhaps Mark even did it himself. But as the Matterhorn bobsleds were descending the mountain, Mark reportedly stood up on the ride, hitting his head on the side of the concrete mountain, and then falling, landing on the tracks beside the sled. Mark was unconscious by the time medical responders arrived and rushed him to the hospital. He spent four days on a ventilator before dying due to severe head trauma. Mark's story is the first time an accident that occurred within a Disney theme park led to a fatality. Since Mark's death, many others have lost their lives due to incidents in Disney parks. Today, we cover some of the more notable and infamous fatalities that have happened at Disney and explore the root causes. We're also going to analyze how Disney reconciles this dark reality with its extremely family-friendly reputation, and also try to debunk some of the urban legends and mythology that have arisen around Disney deaths. So I live in Los Angeles, and Disney is, of course, a staple here. And it wasn't until I was an adult that I first went to a Disney park, and I've been to the Orlando Park and the one here I wouldn't say I'm a Disney adult, but <laughs> I, I enjoy going a lot. And something I have definitely done while I've been waiting in rides at Disneyland is Googled and read about the deaths that have happened in the that. parks. Mm-hmm. Of course you would. <laughs> I, I can't help it. I watched Final Destination on a plane God recently. Damn, dude. I Yeah, I Way I, to put that energy into the world. <laughs> I'm sorry. But Jess, you've never been to... Disney, not to, I'm not trying to make that a thing like you've never been to Disney. No, I but- get this reaction a lot and, and it's it's fine. I'm, I'm used to it. But no, my parents never took me to Disney as a child. But I remember in high school, my mom had asked, she was like, hey, um, your aunt has a house in Orlando that we can use for the summer. We can, you know, go on a cute little trip. Would you guys want to go to Disneyland or a Universal? And I've just been obsessed with like movies and I knew that the Jurassic Park ride was there and Mm -hmm. so many movie related 
rides and adventures and just experiences in general. And so I picked Universal and I definitely did not regret that. I had the best time at Universal. And then the only other time I've been back to Universal is when I visited Hogwarts. So to this day, have not been to Disney. So learning about everything that we're talking about today just makes me oh so excited to potentially go to Disney one day, Lisa. <laughs> I absolutely want to put out into the universe a situation where you come to Los Angeles and we do lots of fun 30 morbid minute recording stuff, but then we also culminate this in a trip to Disneyland together. So all these rides that we're talking about that have had fatalities or places in the park, you get to see up close. You know, I can't wait for that. You'll also have to witness my (laughs) panic attacks as I enter the ride. So um, you'll witness that as well. That'll be great. No, Jess. <laughs> I promise you'll love like, it. This is going to be my knowledge going into Disney other than the obvious <sighs> stuff that I already know. So um, yay for me. <laughs> Gosh, and there's just, there's so much around Disney deaths. There has been just this wealth of like kind of misinformation to an extent, but also myth that's built up around it because Disney is such a monolith and they are so insular and protective of their image. Mm -hmm. Disney, you know, is a person who doesn't have a hair out of place. Yeah. They cultivate everything to the extreme. Yeah. And even with this episode, I didn't even know how many like resorts and, and everything was around the world. Honestly, I, I know that Disney is huge, but there are so many out there. Yeah. What do you know what they are? Yeah. There are six Disney resorts spread across the world with a total of 12 parks between them. California, you know this, has Disneyland Mm -hmm. and California Adventure. Florida boasts four parks, the Magic Kingdom, Hollywood Studios, Epcot, and Animal Kingdom. Tokyo consists of Tokyo Disneyland and Tokyo Disney Sea. Paris has two parks, Disneyland Paris and Walt Disney Studios Park. And uh, Hong Kong has Hong Kong Disneyland and China has Shanghai Disneyland. Just everywhere. <laughs> there are <laughs> yeah. so many. And I I mean, there are absolutely those Disney fanatics that have been to all of these parks multiple times, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is wild to think about. Yeah. But for the purposes of our episode, we'll be touching mainly on incidents that have happened at the California and Florida parks, just because they're close to us. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of information about those an estimated 18 million visitors per year visit the Disneyland parks in California and compare that, which is a huge number, to 58 million people making the pilgrimage to Disney World in Florida. Oh my gosh. And then, yeah, adding the stats for all of the other Disney parks around the world, mm-hmm. I can't even imagine. And then also the deaths at those other parks, but we're only focusing on no. <laughs> Florida yeah. and California. <laughs> Maybe someday. Yeah. So yeah. If we, if there's time, but Disneyland first opened on July 17th, 1955 and Disney world followed suit almost 20 years later on October 1st, 1971. Walt Disney world spans 40 square miles, which is roughly the size of San Francisco, which is a city. <laughs> It also employs almost 75,000 people to keep the park running in tip-top shape. Uh I just want to point here, the park opened in 1955. The Matterhorn story, which we told earlier, that ride opened in 59. So that ride's been active for 70 years. So, I mean, think about if you had a car that you drove for 70 years, how it would be running. I would hope that they have done, um, you know, some work on the ride as time passes. (laughs) You know, a couple tweaks. A couple tweaks. (laughs) The numbers you just mentioned, Jess, though, if you factor in this huge amount of people power and consider all the variables, 
even if Disney is running a really attentive operation that prioritizes safety, which I think it does, there's still a very high potential for accidents to happen and things to go wrong. Yeah, they do. And for a variety of reasons. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's just completely unrelated to park operations entirely. Yes, there are deaths and medical incidents that happen in the park, which are the result of like visitors known or unknown health issues. For example, there might be a medical emergency where a park goer experiences a cardiac event or stroke. And this could be pre-existing condition or for the first time they've ever encountered such a medical issue. I mean, it, just like anywhere, like you could be walking yeah. down the street and, you know. Yeah. Ah. And there's not much that Disney can do in the way of a preventative measure to that. They can put up warnings and say, hey, if you have one of these conditions, mm -hmm. avoid this specific attraction. Yeah. I feel like for me, I'd be like, does anywhere say like, if you have uh, large amounts of panic attacks, just don't even. <laughs> I guarantee that, <laughs> yeah, there are those situations where it's like, if you're prone to anxiety or yeah. increased heart rate, don't, you know, don't go on this ride. I, I do it anyway, because I love uh, feeling awful. Okay. Oh. <laughs> No. In, um, in 2008, 44-year-old Jeffrey C. Reed from Florida was riding Expedition Everest, a high-speed steel coaster that actually just got refurbished this year. Jeffrey was unresponsive and unconscious following the ride and was given immediate medical attention, namely CPR, until he was rushed to the hospital where he was ultimately pronounced dead. And then investigations were launched into the safety of Expedition Everest and whether the ride was operating to the standards that it needed to. But it was deemed that there was like no trauma or causation. The ride wasn't the issue. Jeffrey, he died of natural causes, uh, dilated cardiomyopathy or an enlargement of the heart. It, it was one of those pre-existing condition situations. Yeah. Interestingly, Authorities were able to determine that Jeffrey was still alive 50 seconds before the ride ended due to a photograph that was taken during the coaster. That yeah, is so eerie. Which if you don't go on roller coasters often, they have these cameras that at different points, they'll take them and then they sell them in the gift shop to you, of you on the roller coaster. And this is so spooky to me. And we should write a horror movie. Yeah. Or, or a mystery where... The photograph on roller coaster rides, mm -hmm. it like, there are clues. Mm. Like somebody has to solve a mystery by going through the photos taken <sighs> on theme park rides to piece together all the visible clues in these photos. They gave me chills. Ugh. It's never going to happen. <laughs> that, script, that script's never going to be written. <laughs> well, unless you write it, Elise. First, <sighs> hey. I don't know. This show's a lot of work. <laughs> but, uh, well, we do know that most deaths in Disney parks tend to happen due to negligence on the part of park goers. You played yourselves. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. So this can stem from the general mental fatigue that comes with spending a long day when, you know, you're having fun exerting energy in the heat and the sun, you're walking around a ton. But negligence can also come from just people not paying attention to what they're doing and really goofing around being plain stupid, deliberately breaking, not following rules, doing something they shouldn't be doing. Yeah. All that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In June 1966, Thomas Guy Cleveland attempted to sneak into Disneyland by scaling the park's 16-foot fence and walking on the monorail track. A security guard spotted and tried to warn him, but Thomas ignored him and ultimately got stuck with nowhere to go. The fiberglass ledge beneath the track didn't provide enough protection, and Thomas was struck by the oncoming monorail and dragged 30 feet down the track to his death. And it's like, bro, just don't do that. Yeah. 
I, I don't. Don't sneak into yeah, the park. I don't know why. I, I yeah. Mm-hmm. Same or similar thing happened August 1967. Ricky Liyama, who was 17, was on the People Mover, which if you don't know it, just just kind of this sort of car that's on a conveyor belt that moves you. And he, against safety warnings, attempted to jump between the cars while in a tunnel, but he fell and then was crushed beneath oncoming cars. Wait, is this a ride? It's a ride, but it's like the most tamest ride you could possibly okay. be on. But I, I can imagine that if you fell and you're in the on path of these cars, like you're going to get crushed. Uh, Absolutely. Totally. Okay. June 1973, Bogdan Delarue, 18, hid with his 10-year-old brother on Tom Sawyer Island after parks closing, then tried to swim from the island across the river. Except his brother didn't know how to swim, and Bogdan tried to carry him on his back. However, he couldn't sustain it, and Bogdan drowned halfway across. His brother managed to dog paddle until a park worker found him and rescued him. This was one that I knew about before like writing the episode, like in, you know, over the years when I looked into Disney deaths, this one comes up a lot. Really? Okay. Yeah. These brothers that hit on this island and then tried to swim. And and it's always just kind of like stuck in my memory. Did the family just like leave or just, were they looking for them? I wonder, I may have just been that the kids went to Disney together. I wonder. 10 year old and it. Okay. It was the seventies. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) That's true. 18 and a 10 year old. Walked in and. That's true. You're right. Yeah, there are lots and lots of examples of visitors at a Disney park directly disobeying the rules and guidelines that are posted and included in the fine print of a Disney ticket. Uh, There's so many, so many of these examples. I think it's the most common cause of death. Like park visitors are the cause of their own demise. You know, it's just that thing that you shouldn't have done or that the sign explicitly tells you not to do. Mm -hmm. You did it. Mm A hundred percent. Sometimes death can happen inside a Disney park simply due to freak acts of God, like someone just slips or falls Mm -hmm. and something or something just like falls and it's not a malfunction. It's just, it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you've heard of the America Sings ride. It was a carousel-like attraction that featured animatronic animals guiding passengers through a charming history of American music. On July 9th, 1974, and this is just nine days after America Sings opened, tragedy struck when 18-year-old Disneyland cast member Deborah Gale Stone slipped or she misstepped. No one's really sure, but she fell inside the attraction. And it was kind of unclear to everyone at first what was happening because passengers on the ride couldn't tell if the screams they heard were from a person or part of the ride's audio design, which is fairly horrifying to think about. No, like you're... You are screaming and there's this happy music playing and no one's acknowledging you. Yeah. Or they think it's part of it. Yeah. Um, But despite this initial confusion, it became abundantly clear that something was wrong and an audience member rushed to notify park workers. But it was too late. Yeah. Deborah had been crushed between a revolving wall and a stationary platform. The injuries she sustained were fatal and she was pronounced dead at 11 p.m. that day. Yeah. And I think she was taken to the hospital and pronounced dead there. But the attraction closed following Deborah's death. But then it reopened only three days later. 
So even back then, it was the 70s. The turnaround time for Disney was like, okay, three days, we're going to install new safety lights and then remodel these breakaway walls so that way no one can get trapped in them. But that was like kind of all it took. America Sing stayed open for about another decade until it was ultimately shut down for good in 1988. Do Mm -hmm. you know why? Just because it's just been a very long running ride? Yeah. Oh gosh, Jessica, I'm so excited to go with you to Disney and then kind of like give you the whole <laughs> spiel and everything. Because yeah. yeah, like rides, I think rides just sometimes they wear out their welcome in terms of being culturally relevant. Yeah. Well, obviously some now we, you know, they're being revised because they're very insensitive Yes. to, um, you know, cultural standards and mores. But there are other rides that I think it's just like, ah, uh, that nobody's that interested in that or- mm-hmm it's kind of worn out and like, is there a ride that at Disneyland you have always thought that you would want to go on like the teacups or the the space mountain or. So space mountain is the one that I've heard of the most. So that's the one that I'm like, okay, I've been hearing about this for years at Disney, but mainly for me, when it comes to visiting Disney is I just want to see the castle and that's Epcot, right? Well, there's a castle in Los Angeles too. Okay. Or in Anaheim as well, but it's not as large as the one in Orlando. Orlando. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I know. I really- the castle together. I just haven't seen (laughs) any of it. Yeah. But I- um. I mean, I love theme parks. Absolutely. Like I'd go to, I I mean, I was obsessed with Hogwarts, although I did get so motion sickness and the Hogwarts castle ride, Um, which, which when we were talking about earlier, if like you have a specific kind of like condition before you go into these parks, I'm wondering if maybe you didn't even know you had a condition or um, it's been dormant or whatever. And you go on one of these rides and it sparks it for some reason. You know what I mean? It's, I don't know. It's it's a little oh, absolutely. A little tricky. There, I'm <laughs> sure, there are lots of people with heart murmurs and uh, blood pressure issues that don't know they exist, yes. and then go on rides. Uh oh. <laughs> I know this is all very morbid and dark, but I am also very excited to plan our Disney trip. I'm looking forward to it too. <laughs> oh. <no. laughs> well, before I get ahead of myself, and we learn more about the causes of fatalities in Disney parks and how Disney handles these in the urban legends. I think we need a word from our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. We've all experienced burnout, me personally right now, over the last two years. Mm -hmm. Whether it's from working too much, not taking care of ourselves, overextending ourselves socially, having our friend pressure us into going to Disneyland. (laughs) (laughs) I know Could that be we, anything. Yeah. <laughs> I know that we both suffer from burnout and the irritability, fatigue, lack of motivation that can come with it. Sometimes you can be burned out without even knowing it. Mm-hmm. And that's where better help comes in. It is online therapy that is here to remind you to prioritize yourself. And talking with someone can help you figure out what causes stress in your life. And therapy can just be a good place to cleanse, decompress get things off your chest, um, get some perspective, Mm -hmm. right? I've been going to therapy for about three years now. And I stopped for a little bit in February and two months went by and I'm like, oh, need to go back. Just because it's good just to talk about things. There's always things that pop up. And um, sometimes you just want to be also aware to not overburden 
your friends or your partner and can talk to somebody that's just kind of like a unique perspective that can just kind of help you through through some stuff. Absolutely. Like we do things that are self-care for our bodies. We go to the gym or we get a massage, but therapy is kind of like a massage for your brain, Mm -hmm. for your soul. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Especially these days when we are just... There's so much going on in the world. As as we all know, we're constantly on our phones and looking at screens all day long. It's just a, a good idea for you to make sure you take care of your mental health. And mm-hmm. BetterHelp, thankfully, is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. Mm-hmm, which can be a big deal, especially if you're not in a great headspace. Mm-hmm. Two, it's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. That's incredible. Yeah. Our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash 30MM. That's betterhelp.com slash 30MM. A change of season can mean longer days, better outdoor activities, and more ways to get healthier, including checking in on your health and wellness, and maybe going to Disneyland with a friend. (laughs) She's she's going to continue bringing it up, you guys. I think I have to go to Disneyland with her. (laughs) But thankfully, with Everlywell, you can take action today by taking one of their at-home lab tests or by adding their vitamins and supplements into your daily routine, which I will probably Mm -hmm. need to go to Disneyland with you all day long. (laughs) Yes. And we will have energy and vitamins to do it because of Everlywell. Yes. Yes. Vitamin D. Take vitamin D every day and you can get that from Everlywell. Yes. If you've been experiencing symptoms and you don't know where to start, Everly Well is committed to listening and supporting your health journey toward wellness. The Everly Well Women's Health Test Kit measures 11 biomarkers known to play a role in your overall health and wellness, and it checks for any abnormal levels that might be keeping you from feeling your best. Mm -hmm. The tests are actually very easy to use. The instructions are clear, and it's a great way to take control of your own health and personal well-being. Mm-hmm. It's digital healthcare designed for you at an affordable and transparent price. With over 30 at-home lab tests, you'll be able to choose the test that makes the most sense for you to get the answers that you need, like the Women's Health Test and Food Sensitivity Test. I uh, took that one. <laughs> oh my gosh. I know have I have you, so many issues. Have you gotten any results yet? Not yet, but I know it's probably going to be like off the charts. <laughs> But I feel like, don't you feel good just knowing that you've taken the step to like send the test away? I do. And get those answers? I do because I'm like, I will finally, yes, have answers, <laughs> which I never have before. Yeah. I was so excited because Everlywell has a whole selection of vitamins and I am definitely a person that needs to subsidize my energy mm-hmm. and just wellness, make sure I don't get colds and stuff by taking vitamin D, taking fish oil. Mm-hmm. Um, I take those every day. They have all these high quality vitamins and supplements. Mm -hmm. And again, they ship the product straight to you and everything you need is in one package. So you just take your at-home lab test, collect your sample, use the prepaid shipping label, drop it back into the post office drop box, mail your test to a certified lab technician. Hey, easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Your physician reviewed results get sent to your phone or device in just days. And you can share the results with your primary care physician to help guide next steps. If you order vitamins and supplements, you can start adding them to your daily routine right away. It's just this, you know, good stuff that your body needs. It's so simple. Over 1 million people have trusted Everly Well to support their health and wellness goals. And you can too. 
And for the listeners of the show, Everlywell is offering a special discount of 20% off an at-home lab test at everlywell.com slash 30mm. That's everlywell.com slash 30mm. And now back to the show. On occasion, a death inside a Disney park has been the result of faulty ride mechanics or negligence on the park's part. And in these scenarios, all responsibility and liability can be traced back to park operations. So there are rides within the park that were built decades ago. And we talked about this a little bit, but while they've received some upgrades, the original infrastructure can be somewhat outdated or they're operating using technology that maybe pales in comparison to modern advancements or safety. And sometimes accidents, injury, and even death can happen if ride maintenance or protocol is ignored or not followed correctly, right, Jess? Yeah, you're literally on a fast, insane track of metal steel, just, you know, with no real protection, just your legs dangling around, just, you know, all, all over the place. And we're just like, derp, derp. <laughs> Amusement park rides are absolutely something that I feel like someone from 200 years ago would see yes. and think and think it was a torture device. Yes. A hundred percent. Well, maybe this will come up in a future 30 Morbid Minutes, but have you ever seen the blueprints for the euthanasia coaster? Oh my God. No, no. Okay. Well. Great. It's that, I mean, the way that you're (laughs) describing it, I'm just like set up for awfulness. (laughs) So yeah, it happens. Okay, great. (laughs) (laughs) On September 5th, 2003, 22-year-old Marcelo Torres died and 10 others were injured when a locomotive on Big Thunder Mountain Railroad separated from the rest of the train and derailed and crashed. What? This could have been prevented if maintenance personnel had performed key preventative tasks, which they didn't. The Anaheim police reported also noted that the personnel working Thunder Mountain noticed unusual sounds on the train before the crash and had flagged the train for removal from the course, which obviously did not happen. Yeah. Ugh. See, that's that's the stuff, going back to what I was just saying earlier, you, you really have to trust the crews and the people that work there and the, obviously the science and the physics of it all too. But like once that's working to keep these maintained. Yeah. Disney, I think is notorious for, for its diligence and for being just kind of like anal about everything that happens in the parks. Mm -hmm. So I feel like they run such a tight ship, but then, you know, like you said, yeah, it's like people are only, they're human. Yeah. There's human error that happens. Yeah. Right. Oh, gosh. The story I'm about to tell is one of the stories that like kind of makes my stomach twist the most. Mm -hmm. But okay, And I mean, it's 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 the risk that we take. So we know that's going on to it. So it's yeah. okay, absolutely. And um, this happened December 24th. So Christmas Eve, 1998. Um, But Luan Fee Dawson and his wife, Lu Thoi Vuong, were waiting to board the Columbus ship attraction with their son. So this is just like it's a riverboat kind of like. that, you know, it goes down the Disney River and it's a little 12-minute trip around the rivers of America. And tragedy struck when one of the ride operators misjudged the ship's speed and then secured the mooring line too soon, which is something that you shouldn't do when a ship that size is moving too fast. The mooring line was pulled too taut and yanked the eight-pound metal cleat docking the ship free, sending it sailing through the air into the waiting crowd hitting Luan and Lou. 
Dawson was hospitalized and suffered severe brain damage, ultimately dying two days later when taken off life support. This fatal accident was the result of insufficient ride maintenance and a ride operator who was not experienced enough to be operating the ride. Mm -hmm. And the way Disney Park officials handled this accident kind of raised some eyebrows. Reports show that the park did not alert police immediately, although they did contact paramedics who ultimately informed the police. But by the time the cops arrived, 40 minutes later, uh, according to a report, they were also told to wait in a conference room. Park employees had already cleaned blood and debris from the scene. Um, Which, like, I, I get an aspect of this. But yeah, sorry, go on, Jess. (laughs) Yeah. And Anaheim police lieutenant uh, later determined that Disney did not intend to uh, obstruct justice by removing evidence, but cleaned it up because it was unsightly. Nevertheless, it did inadvertently remove evidence from the scene and did draw criticism from those who blast the mouse house for breaking the rules and doing shady practices to protect its image. Yeah. And like I get in one respect, there are thousands of children around that are going to observe a horrific scene, but it does feel like this, you should not be cleaning up this scene before somebody can investigate it and collect evidence. And But it, it does really go without saying that Disney is so protective of its image and meticulously oversees what happens inside the parks. And there's, because of how closed-lipped Disney is about operations and a lot of these things that happen, there's this wealth of mythology and urban legends that have arisen around how Disney deals with accidents and deaths on their turf. And they've never spoken openly about the more common urban legends, including the big one that claims that no person has ever, quote unquote, technically died in a Disney park. And yeah, this is the big one. The urban legend that Disney has this unwritten, unspoken rule that no one can be declared dead on a Disney property. So if paramedics come, they are instructed to delay the official pronouncement until the person is in a hospital or off the property. So Disney can maintain this technical status that no one has actually died there. There are some anecdotes from former uh, employees that corroborate this bizarre theory, including one from Tom Cruise, that is Cruise with the Z. <laughs> Not the Cruise you think. Yep. Who posted a TikTok recounting a death in the Orlando park from a summer he worked there. Said Tom, it's super hot. I distinctly remember this day we were helping people into the go-kart ride and there was a family and they had an older gentleman with them. The guy collapses, boom, on his face and busts his face up. It was ugly. Of course, there was a doctor in line. He came over to help. We called emergency services. This entire time, my man was not breathing. They're doing CPR on him, trying to revive him. No luck. It's 15 minutes before they finally got through to the park to try to help him out. They stretchered him out and kept resuscitating him all the way back until the end. I was like, man, this guy's dead. Why are they still trying to bring him back? And the manager's like, no one dies at Disney World. Everyone is resuscitated or tempted into resuscitation until they're off the property. Then they're formally declared dead. Yeah, and this is where we get into the weeds because I have heard this for years. Jess, you've heard about it. This whole like, no one's pronounced dead at Disney. And you get these accounts from people that are like, oh yeah, I worked the smoothie machine by the Buzz Lightyear ride. and. I saw this and, and in this situation that's being described, you know, of course we're just taking somebody's word. We don't know the validity of it, but it does, it, you know, it sounds like maybe paramedics start being coerced by Disney to continue resuscitation or life-saving procedures, even though the victim is dead. But I think what a lot of people are not thinking about 
is the law, <laughs> the like, like state laws, jurisdictions. Mm-hmm. And in some jurisdictions, once paramedics begin these efforts, these life-saving efforts, they per protocol cannot stop these efforts until the patient has been taken to a medical facility, even if the victim might be deceased or presumed. And it also kind of gets unclear as to in what jurisdictions and circumstances a paramedic has purview here. I reached out to a friend of mine who is a former EMT in California. Uh And, you know, just to ask them, like, who can officially make a pronouncement of death? And if a paramedic or an EMT can. And he said to me, and this is kind of just a quote here, actually, California is sort of weird. They, which I'm assuming he means a paramedic or an EMT, can't fill out a death certificate or anything, but they can make a procedural decision to cease resuscitative efforts in the event or presence of certain factors, like extreme, like decapitation. Yeah. There's a lot of murkiness around the term pronounced dead because of film and TV. So it's not really a clear cut answer. Pronounced dead is not like it is on TV. So defining it as cessation of resuscitative efforts is the most medically accurate term. So in California, a registered nurse or medical doctor are the people who can make a pronouncement of death. So basically like kind of what he told me, and it's, again, it like all gets a little bit more confusing and there's a lot of medical and technical jargon, but registered nurses and medical doctors have the jurisdiction to make a pronouncement of death. And I even kind of read a thing about how like sometimes paramedics can call a doctor and say, hey, here's the situation. Can you make a pronouncement of death? Mm-hmm. I always thought it was like something to do with being qualified, trained enough to have just, yeah, the ultimate authority in the end to to be able to make that call. Yeah, I, th- I think that's really what it comes down to, too. And I, I think that's why when people are like, oh, they won't pronounce this person dead on this property. It's like, well, could they even? That and, you know? and even though, you know, and I know this is it's so strange and weird, but even if, yes, you see somebody dead, there's been, I mean, I would continue, yeah, until you do get to the hospital, just in case there is any hope. There, there, crazier things have happened, you know? Miracles have yeah, happened. And, you might as well keep trying if you and can. And I know just like for some paramedics, there's a certain protocol they have to follow until they hand someone off mm-hmm. at a at a hospital, mm-hmm. at, a, at emergency. So, yeah. But then, and then also there's like, we, there is some evidence in publications of pronouncements of death at mm-hmm. Disney, right, Jess? Mm-hmm. I want to bring your friend in, by the way. I want to talk to him on this podcast. Oh, I, want I to would talk love to, to do that. I mean, he's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. But yes, in 1985, the Los Angeles Times article reported that a girl who was crushed by a tour bus in a Disneyland parking lot was pronounced dead at the scene. On top of that, a 1984 New York Times article also described a man who died at Epcot in Orlando as pronounced dead at the scene after a plane crashed in the parking lot. Woof. So parking lot stuff. Yeah, oddly. So yes, at least, you know, in published articles, there seems to be evidence of people pronounced dead on Disney property. So yeah. And there's a question of like, does a parking lot, like a parking lot's not inside the park, but Uh it's still like Disney parking lot and those property. As you'll learn, Jess, those parking lots are heavily themed. You know, in the goofy lot. Can't wait. (laughs) In the goofy lot. All right. Something we didn't mention earlier, and we're just going to give a trigger moment warning here because it does discuss suicide. 
before we continue. Yes. But there are incidents, many, where individuals commit or attempt suicide at Disney. And a former cast member recounted a story of one such incident. A man was found dead from an apparent suicide in his hotel room. The room's windows and entrance were immediately concealed by those pardon our dust renovation signs as costume characters had an impromptu meet and greet to divert attention away from the room as police arrived to process the scene. So yeah, you hear a lot of anecdotal evidence, especially from cast members past and present. Lots of stories about Disney taking measures to minimize the footprint of these incidents and awareness of what park visitors see and hear about. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you, Jess, it's a hot day in Walt's cryo chamber when Disney has to shut down completely. (sighs) Um, I mean, I really could not believe that during the pandemic, like, it's just one of those things where yeah. Disney's an institution yep. and the pandemic closures, it, it's unreal. It's a- um, absolutely. Uh, Disney also takes a lot of measures to keep their independence. And given the size of the parks, some even have their own emergency services on property and call. Uh, yeah, I, I mm. absolutely would. You have to. For yeah. sure. Yeah, Disneyland, Disney World, and Hong Kong Disneyland all have their own fire departments and emergency services. Among their responsibilities, um, these crews might investigate calls in the park regarding you know strange odors or burnt electrical motors or they might oversee codification and sprinkler installation for new rights. Mm-hmm. And like knowing what a presence Disney is to Anaheim mm-hmm. and like how much sway Disney reportedly has in terms of the way Anaheim mm-hmm. operates and so many people that live in that city are employed by the park. Like the fact that Disney World and Orlando, which is much bigger, would have its own safety response team. Like that makes total sense to me. It does. Um, and these departments, they're profi- professionally trained and on hand to respond. And the Disney theme parks wiki uh, cites the Reedy Creek Fire Department as this full service fire and emergency medical service organization that it, because um, I guess they're, they're technically in this Reedy Creek Improvement District. Okay. And Walt Disney is the largest taxpayer and primary landowner. So this Reedy Creek Fire Department is kind of just like the Disney World Fire Department. Which is interesting. No, it makes complete sense. There's so much going on at a daily basis there that it, you would just, I feel like, you know, if you're- you need it. You, you would need it. And then if you're using like the city's emergency services and whatnot, it's like, hey, we need you over here. We need, we need all of the attention <laughs> at all times. I guess thinking about it that way, having their own internal services puts less strain Exa- on, on city. the city. Yeah, because I yeah. feel like they would be there half the time anyway, unfortunately, but you know. But you'd still want their services to be held accountable in the same way. Absolutely. After the Disney parks started reopening in 2021 following park uh, closures because of COVID, Florida particularly suffered from a shortage of first responders due to reduced staffing. This actually may have contributed to the death of a woman visiting Disney World who had a heart attack in her hotel. The only rescue vehicle available from the Reedy Creek Fire Department was on another call at the time and was not able to arrive within the window of time needed to potentially save her. And that's like, that's so tragic. And you can't blame the first responders. No. Like it was such a hard time for everybody and everybody was was under duress, mm-hmm. but that's like, that's awful. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not even Disney with all of its influence and power was exempt from these issues of the pandemic. And I think one of the biggest takeaways from this episode is that even with an extreme amount of diligence and oversight, like accidents can still happen. People will disobey the rules, even though there's a wealth of evidence and horrific stories and tragedies that should dissuade you 
from doing stupid shit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, and like acts of God stuff can just go wrong. Absolutely. Um, and again, yeah. like we were talking earlier that we are, you're taking the risk to, to, to ride this insane roller coaster that goes flip de flop de flop a million times upside down at an insane speed. So like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I know I'm getting, <laughs> if I get on a ride like that, I'm like, well, here goes nothing, you know? <laughs> so it's just, I, I'm trusting everybody, but I also know that things can happen. So yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I enjoy going to Disney. Like I think it's such a cultivated experience and it's so unique and one of a kind. Yeah. But again, I guess I am the, uh, psychopath that is reading about death at Disney while I'm waiting, <laughs> waiting in line. In line. So. When we go together, we will not be, uh, reading no. about these things, even though now I know all the info now. So, <laughs> well, good luck, oh Jessica. Gosh. We're going to do it all, Jess. I'm We're going to get our photo taken in front of the castle. I'm excited. We're going to ride on It's a Small World together. And if I do have oh. a panic attack, I will make sure to go live on my Instagram and you can all witness it. <laughs> <laughs> it should go without saying, I think, that my favorite ride is Haunted Mansion. That makes sense. It should be most people's, I would think. But uh, I'm so excited. I'm so excited to take you. Fingers in crossed. In this dream I've built for myself. It I- might not happen. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'm staying with you then. Staying at oh, your house. Yes. Any uh, any final thoughts before we plan our grand vacation? A few, actually. Um, if you haven't checked out our merch in the Rooster Teeth store, please do. We have some cute T-shirts and stickers in there. Uh, mm-hmm. What else? There is an RT animated short on the Rooster Teeth YouTube. Yes. That is uh, <laughs> my organ, <laughs> my hesitation to death, which I realized a lot of people, I think, thought I was serious. <laughs> But, um, yeah, when I was, uh, telling Jess that I'm not, my organs are too good for, (laughs) to be harvested (laughs) and she quickly shot that down. Uh, there's a delightful little short about that. And RTX is Mm -hmm. only a couple of weeks away. July 4th weekend, we'll be doing a panel there. Yes. In um, Austin. Yeah. We're going to be doing a little bit of a surprise bit for you at the panel, but you should come on down. We would love to see you. And we, we've been promising people a lot of surprises, but we might encounter some surprises ourselves. <laughs> Touche. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and the, I think the biggest news, the most bombastic, exciting news is that next week, well, not next week, now, now mm-hmm. we're back mm-hmm. with a new full season. So, you know, we did our fun, like trying out morbid each other, little mini break. Mm-hmm. And now we're back with the episodes, you know, and love. And next week. Oh my God, Jessica. I know, I'm excited. <laughs> this might be the longest episode <laughs> that we have done or will do potentially. I mean, yeah. What is it about, Elise? There's so much to cover, but <laughs> it's one of history's most evil, notorious fiends and maybe an influence for Dracula. We'll <laughs> kind of see, but it's Vlad the Impaler. Yeah, this is going to be a fun one. Yeah, he's uh, he's, he was a real piece of work. A real piece of work. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, stay stay tuned. Um, thanks thanks for coming back. We're so happy you're here. We're going mm-hmm. on a, a season two journey, everybody. Yep, and it's only gonna get more morbid from here. I can't. Sorry wait. to disappoint, or I guess maybe that doesn't disappoint. Maybe someone's excited you all to hear know that. why you're here, and you know what you're in for. So <sighs> buckle up. <laughs> you're all such sickos. <laughs> Freaking sickos. Mm-hmm.